Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. All right, at this time, Children's Church, you can take off. Miss Carolyn is geared up and ready for you. She, uh, I saw her bringing in like bulletproof vests and stuff because she knew. So good to be in the house of the Lord with you today. Thank you so much for being here. So glad that you are here. I don't know about you, but it's been a crazy week. All right, there's three of you that are honest. The other 15 of you are just kind of too tired to say anything. And the other four or 5,000 of you that's not here today are showing me that it's too, you're too tired to get out of bed, right? <laughs> So crazy. Life is so crazy at times, and and it is often in those times of craziness and busyness that we get distracted from the goodness of God, and in those times of craziness and busyness, we we begin to see ourself and our inadequacies more than we see the God in whom we serve. I don't know about you, but in times where you just feel like you're running and you're running and you're running and you're running, and you're running on E and you just, you just keep going and, and, and you have to pick yourself up and then the next thing you know you think, can I, can I make it? Can I keep going? Can I keep doing? And in the midst of the can I's, uh, the enemy gets you to focus on yourself. And when you begin to focus on yourself, uh, things don't go right because we get our eyes off of Christ. You know the story. I don't have to go through that where Peter began to sink. Why? All right, some of y'all need to go back and read your Bible again, right? <laughs> Why? Because he got his eyes off of Christ. And that which is very destined to overwhelm, if you are not careful, will do so. Um, I, I am now, thankfully toward the end of coaching our Eli's baseball team. And I say that, thankfully, we're toward the end of coaching. I, I, I love, I, I like, I, I like to mess with those kids, and I like to coach them, I like to work with them. Um, but um, there comes a time whenever you just come to an understanding that I'm, I was glad to see it come, and I'm cool to see it leave. <laughs> Right, I, I like working with it, but one of the most frustrating things there is to work with uh, those young men is they're at an age where they have more tools inside of them than they really realize. I've, I've got a couple boys in particular that even the umpire about two games ago, two or three games ago, came to me and said, that young man on the mound pitching has got the goods. He has got it. He is, he, is, he is throwing, he is hurling today those rockets. He said, oh man, he has got it. And uh, I said, oh, yeah, right now he does. <laughs> right now he does. But the same one that has all of the goods, the same one that can get up there at, at 12 years old and throw curveball that would uh, make a batter just drop in his tracks. And the same one that can get up there and blow a pitch by you. The same one that, that can get up there and strike you out in three pitches is also the same one that if one little thing begins to get his mind rattled, he couldn't throw a strike to save his life. Because he begins to feel this pressure and this burden of, I don't know if I'm enough. I don't know if I have what it takes. And isn't that crazy to see the same person, the same young man, who can do it once and do it twice and do it three times, now all of a sudden struggle with doing it, not because he has a lack of an ability, not because he lacks anything, but because he is now caught up in a moment of, of no confidence 
in what he does have. And when he does not have the confidence in what he has, he begins to struggle big time. Okay, that was, I was hoping after I said that, most of y'all would be like, ah. Oh. Because I don't know about you, I can be that way sometimes in my life too. I can be that way in my spiritual walk as well. And sometimes when I feel inadequate. In fact, in me going around to all of the high schools, I've noticed that that is one key topic that every single group of kids struggles with and to some extent almost every kid in that group struggles with and I've also learned that the ones that act like that they are never inadequate is actually the ones that struggle the hardest and I've learned that that's a common topic with them and I've learned that maybe that's a common topic with all of us Uh, just out of curiosity how many of you have ever felt like I don't know if I have what it takes All right, good. There's at least a few of us here, right? I felt that way for sure. Felt that way for sure. Well, what we're going to talk about, we've been talking about the gift of worship. Today we're going to talk about the courage of worship. The courage of praise. Courage in the adequacy of our Heavenly Father. So as you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13 is where we're going to be today. As we turn there, we will open this up in prayer. Father, I need you. We need you. This clay pot, this broken vessel is nothing without you. Oh, Lord, but what are we with you? Something, a treasure, a royal nation, a chosen priest of the living God. We are that when we are with you. So we ask you to be with us today. Be with us in all of the things that's going on in our mind, in our hearts, and in our families, in our lives, and in the world. Be with us today. I pray, Spirit of the living God, you would breathe upon dry bones today. Spirit of the living God, breathe upon those that could use a little resuscitation. Breathe upon those that could use a little stirring and a little revival. Breathe upon us, Almighty God. The world has a way of causing us to be dry, but you, Lord, are our river of living water. So we turn to you, our source today, asking you to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13, starting at verse 20. We're actually just going to read a couple of verses here. We're going to set this up and then we're going to go deeper in on this. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. And ever, and everybody read with me, amen. Amen. So let it be done. Today we are going to again look at how when we praise, what we are really doing is taking courage in knowing that we may not have enough in and of ourselves, but we're not in and of ourselves, are we? How many of you are thankful that you've got more with you than against you? Okay, now, wait a minute. Let's try this side. How many of you are thankful that you have more with you than against you? All right. All right, one more time for those in the back. How many of you are thankful for that for you have more with you than against you? 
John Christentum was once being about to be martyred for his faith. The, the very queen of Rome decided, oh, well, let's not hear what he has to say as he had done his work and his preaching in the Eastern Roman Empire. And the empress said, I don't like what he's saying, so let's drag him before the court and let's threaten him with his life and let's see if he holds on to his faith. And when told of his faith, John Christendom responded, What can I fear? Will it be death? But you know that Christ is my life and that I shall gain by death. Will it be exile? Oh, but the earth and all of its fullness is the Lord's. Will it be the loss of wealth? But we brought nothing into the world, and we carry nothing out. Thus all the terrors of the world are contemptible in my eyes, and I smile at all of life's good things in spite of the fear. Poverty I do not fear. In fact, riches I do not sigh for. Death I do not shrink from, for I am here, and I declare that God is with me. To stand in front of the world who says, I'm going to persecute you. To stand in front of a moment in which you see that your flesh may not make it a whole lot farther, but yet realize that there's more in you than what even the world can imagine. I know so many times the enemy would love to come to you and get you to focus on what you don't have. And then you begin to pine over that and you begin to, okay, I begin to feel a little bit sorry for myself. And, and then I get wrapped up and caught up in my feelings. And the next thing you know, I have to remind myself, of who God is and that He is with me. And I have to sing songs like, even when I don't feel it, you're working. And even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I'm confused, I know you're not. And even when my hands don't want to raise, you'll pick me up. And even when my eyes look down, you grab my head and lift me up. And even when I don't think I can get to you, you come to me because we serve such a wonderful God. Such a wonderful God that has a sense of humor, by the way. Y'all laugh because maybe you've had that happen to you before, right? Uh, the other day, I, um, I, I, I was going to go for a walk, and, and it started off kind of rocky because if I accidentally say the word walk out loud, our Molly, our dog, goes... <laughs> And she just she gets gets so excited and she gets beside herself that yes I'm I'm going for a walk I'm going for a walk I'm going for a walk I do the same thing when they say you get to eat seafood I'm like yeah 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 I get so excited right right so I, and I don't have the heart to go and tell her no you can't walk with me but but every once in a while you know what I mean do you, do you ever just feel like like just getting away for a moment and just just kind of just going away and walking and just kind of breathing and walking and praying and talking with God and, and, and that is oftentimes what I do when I want to get really close to God I walk and, and not just around the neighborhood I, I have a, a place in um, the the bonus room of our house that I just pace back and forth and walk and pray um, in, in my mind, I'm like walking with God. And, well, this time I, I felt like going outside and doing that. And I didn't have the heart to tell her, no, you can't go with me. And even though I felt like just kind of going by myself. And all right, come on, girl. And you clip the leash on and you take off walking. And, and, and I put my earbuds in. And, and okay, I'm, I'm going to be honest, transparent before you. I put them in. I wasn't listening to a thing. I just put them in so that when people would see me, They'd be like, oh, he's listening to something, right? Y'all act like y'all have never done stuff like that, <laughs> right? Some of you did it to your husband or wife not too long ago, right? And yeah, yeah, I'm like, I, got, I put them in. I'm not listening to a thing. In fact, my phone was about to die, but I, I put, it on my, put it in my pocket and put them in. I'm, we're taking off. We're walking, and I'm thinking, and I'm praying, and, and I'm kind of just going through my little my little spill with me and God, and, and, and I said, you know, God, thank you for this time. I, we do get to come and get to be together, and as I'm walking, no, come on, dog, you know, and, and, and as I'm dragging dog and doing this and, and, and trying to really just get in tune with God, then here comes, uh, here comes a neighbor of mine who's 
kind of the other side of, of the neighborhood. And he and his wife, and they're very sweet people, but, um, you know, even, even sometimes sweet people, you, you're like, man, I just really want to be by, my, by myself today. And, and I'm walking, and so some, I come to a, a fork in the road where I'm like, if I go right, do I look rude? If I go left, we get connected, and this is going to take. Uh, this is going to take 45 minutes to talk to this guy because this guy loves to talk, right? Well, he's like, by this time, my indecision killed me because he sees me and he sees, he know, they know Molly and they see, and they're like, hey, Brother Justin, and I'm like, I got to go talk to him now. And so I turn and I walk this way. And it's not because I don't like the gentleman, but it's just because I know I, I just wanted to be by myself. And here's 45 minutes. I won't be. Right? And his wife, she's, oh, let me see Molly. And they're loving all on the dog. And we're talking. And all this whole time I'm thinking, God, you, you know I just wanted to be by myself. Right? And, and as we're talking, and then, then uh, the, the other part of this story is this. This is the same gentleman that whenever I first moved into the neighborhood, we, we kind of had a little bit of an issue. Nothing bad, but we had a little bit of an issue, and it, it got all worked out. But ever since then, uh, I kind of had that back in my head, this dude's crazy kind of thing. Right? And, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And the bad part is if someone thinks that about me, right? And, and so it's, it's all cool. But uh, since then, it's actually, so God has a sense of humor. This very person that I thought was crazy has actually now become a really good friend. But here we are, we're talking, and he's, he rides his little jazzy. You know what I'm talking about? He's got the little, which um, I'm getting closer and closer to. Um, so he, he, he pulled up in his little jazzy, and his wife, she wanders up, and she's petting Molly. We're talking, and everything is all good. And all of a sudden, he goes, he just looks at me, and he says, I'm 87 years old, and I prayed with everything in me today that God would send me where he wants me to go. And I thought, on that jazzy? And then he began to talk about just how the, the, the confidence and the faith that he has, that, that God has, done, he has saved, literally saved his life already twice in his life. And he knows what's a third time. It's like he's coming from the perspective that I've been up against it and I've seen God and now I have this confidence that no matter what, God is going to help me do what I need to do and help me do what he wants me to do for him. Right? And so as he's doing that, he's literally at one point in time shouting at the top of his lungs and he lifts his hand and he says, I praise God. So I go from wanting to be by myself to having to drag this dog along to now having to deal with someone who is reminding me that no matter what you're going through, I praise God. And about that time, his little scooter goes, Err. And I look down at it, and my mind says, it's not what you think it is. And his wife goes, it is. It's dead. So he looks at me, and we start laughing. He says, well, it looks like I'm, looks like I'm stuck here. He's in, and his wife looks and says, what, what are we going to do? And I know the whole time. I'm going to have to push this guy for about half of the neighborhood. And so, the, the guy that I am, I look at him and I say, see you later. Right? No, I didn't do that. <laughs> Y'all look at me like, <laughs> no, I said, I, I said, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll figure it out. So I, I, I hook Molly up to the front and I'm like, mush. And I'm pushing in the back and his poor wife, his poor wife's like trying to push me. And I'm pushing the jazzy and Molly's pulling us all. And we finally get up to his house and we pull in to his little driveway and she comes out and gives him his cane and he walks the rest of the way. But before, he, before I, I pull his little scooter in the, the uh, garage there and plug it in, he, he turns and he looks at me and he says, Brother, I love you. And I went, see you later. No, 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 I said, Ouch, God. <laughs> Here I was just wanting to be by myself. Here I was just trying to get away from everything because, 
you just needed that for a moment. And not, not to say that there aren't times that we do need that, but sometimes, sometimes God has to remind us that we really do have a capacity in us to do something that can help make a difference in our situation. That God has to remind us that it's not really about our feelings, is it? Okay, for some of you who didn't catch that, um, it's not really about how we feel all the time, is it? It's not really about whether I think I, ha- I, can, I can or I can't. It's about realizing that praise, real praise, real genuine praise, is stepping out of my inadequacy and into His adequacy. It's stepping away from me and stepping in to Him. It's, it's about realizing that I do have what it takes, not because of me, but because of all He has given me. I do have what it takes because of what He's doing And I get to be a part of that. And mark my words, God is working. God is working. Right now I see God, He is working. In the midst of this craziness, He's working. In the midst of frustration, He's working. In the midst of of all the inadequacies of life, He's working. In the midst of $12 a gallon gas, He's working. In the midst of everything that we can feel like is coming against us, He's working. In the midst of all there is going on, He's working. In the midst of whatever the church in large is saying, He's working. In the midst of everything that you feel or don't feel, He's working. I will promise you this, our God is working. Our God is working. He has got some, some stuff that He is working out. He's working on. He's working in. He's working through. And I want you to be a part of it. And I don't want you to sell out to your feelings. I don't want you to sell out to what you think about your inadequacy. I don't want you to sell out to your fear because really that's what's going on. We fear we're not enough. We fear we fear that we don't have what it takes. We fear that we're going to look dumb. We fear like we're going to not be able to make it. We fear that. And it takes courage sometimes to praise in the midst of that fear. It takes courage to step up and believe anyways. It takes courage to make a move. It takes courage to leave something for something better. It takes courage to step out of something even though it's not feeding you as well as you wanted but yet it was comfortable. So it takes courage for you to walk away from that. It takes courage for you to leave Egypt even though you're a slave. It takes courage because you think I know I can leave it but can I make it? To whatever else is going on. It takes courage to move on. It takes courage to stand up. It takes courage. So much courage that we got to realize that no matter what's going on, God is enough. That's what God taught His is his his people that when he brought them out of out of Egypt and he's leading them to the promised land he he leads them in a way where he's just trying to get them to understand that he is their source that he's everything that they need that as long as they have him they have enough they have enough and it takes courage to do that it takes courage to step in that direction It takes courage to look at yourself and think God can do something in this broken vessel. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says, Joshua, before you go into that promised land, take courage. If you're going to take anything with you, you take courage. You pick, if you want to pick anything up and pack anything up in your sack before you cross the Jordan River and go in, you're going to have to make sure you take courage. You're going to have to take it up. You're going to have to 
use it. You're going to have to work it. You're going to have to step with it. You're going to have to praise with it. You're going to have to walk with it. You're going to have to do everything I've called you to do. You're going to have to obey. And you, you can't do any of that unless you take courage. You got to learn to take it. You got to learn to encourage yourself. You got to learn to put on a garment of praise. You've got to learn to take courage. You've got to learn to do that. It's something that you just have to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, It'll work if you work it. That's a good time for you to turn to your neighbor and say, Work it, baby. Right? It will work if you work it, but if you don't work it, it's not going to work. I say that to a church group. I say that to a group of Christians that uh, I don't say it lightheartedly because I realize that as Christians, we have to be very careful not just getting in this mode of apparandi that says, oh, God will do it all and all I have to do is just nothing. Right? God never intended for that. God has invited you to come do it with them. And to do it with them, it takes courage. It takes courage. When Paul, or we don't know if this is Paul or Apollos or Barnabas, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. But we do know this. They're writing to a group of Jews who quite possibly is thinking about leaving the faith. Because some stuff has gone on, they've been facing some struggles and some battles, and they're just trying to figure out, do we go forward with this, or do we go back to Judaism? Do we go forward with this newfound walk with this Jesus guy, or do we go back to what we've always known? Do we go forward in this walk of faith, or do we go back into our complacency? Right? Complacency is easy. Settling is easy. Right? I can have a big glass of water and dump all the sugar in it that I want to, and I don't have to do anything to let it settle for it to be complacent. But for me to get it to work, for me to sweeten the water, for me to get it moving, I've got to do something. I've got to stir it. I've got to shake it. Everybody say shake and not stirred, right? I've, I've got to do something to get some kind of action moving in that. I've got to add something to that. I've got to work it. Which means God is adding something to you. Because God's not doing something for you. He's not, having, he's not saying, I want you to do something that I was not willing to do. That's why God's working it. Do you realize that not only is God working it, God's inviting you in on that. God's working you. That may be why you're here. You felt God working and calling and pulling and drawing. You didn't even totally understand it, but you just said, Okay, Lord, here we go. God's working. My question then is, what is God working with? This is Paul. If you, if you read Hebrews, it's, it's about somebody, Barnabas or Apollos or Paul, saying God is moving us to better things. If you read the whole book of Hebrews, what, is, what it is about is he's saying that what was in the past was fine. It, but it was a setup for what God is doing now, and it's a setup for what He is going to do. Okay? That he has work, he's worked in the past, He's done some things, He did some great things in, in, the, in the system of religion you were in. He used it, but He used it to point you in the direction of something better. And I would love to just take five seconds right now and pause and give somebody a prophetic word that says you're here because God has something better for you. God has something better. He is moving you to something better. You are on your way to something better. You are moving in that direction. No wonder why you're going to face opposition. No wonder why you're going to come up against a wall. Joshua, take courage because there's a big wall right over there that has a big army. And then past that, there's some big giants. Take courage, Joshua. I'm moving you to something better. Take courage. I'm working on this. I love how 
the author begins this little passage of Scripture by saying, Now, now, may the God, now. He, he likes this word, now. Because he's trying to, again, tell a group of people who's thinking about moving backwards. He says, no, stop what you're doing because now God is working. Now He is in your situation. Now it is telling you that there is a time and a place and a season. Now. Now in your when. Now in your why. Now in your where. Right now is where God wants to work. Right now. Right now, you're in a now season. That's why Hebrews 11 says, now faith. Not yesterday's faith or tomorrow's faith, right now faith. Not yesterday's praise or tomorrow's praise, right now's praise. Not yesterday's hope or tomorrow's hope, right now hope. Right now. Now. Now God is with you. Now God is working. Now God is doing. Now God is is, is, is over you and he is doing something he's working he's working he's working he's working now he's working he's working he's working what's he working with seven things in these just two or three verses here we see seven things he's working with seven things i'm going to get a little bit more teachy and less preachy now yeah right Seven things. Seven things that prove that you can take courage in the adequacy of Christ. The adequacy of God's work. The first one is peace. That's what he says. He says, now may the God of peace. Jehovah Shalom. The God of peace. Out of all of the names of God that he could have used here to get his people to calm down, quit looking back thinking you can't make it, just calm down and let's look and see how God's going to work this out. Out of all of the names he chose to call God, he calls him the God of peace. And he's saying it to a Jewish audience. So when, he, when they read the God of peace, they automatically go back to their Sunday school lessons and remember, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's when he was called the God of peace whenever Gideon was about to be used by God. Judges. And you can follow along with me if you want to go there. Judges chapter 6 verse 24. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. And to this day, it is still on Oprah's network. To this day, it's still there. And it became a monument, basically, where he built this altar. And at this altar, there was an exchange of his sacrifice and the glory of the Lord. It was an exchange. You go back and read what's going on with uh, Gideon. How many of you love the story of Gideon? I, I, I like the story of Gideon. But if you look at it, you'll see that it's a story about Gideon learning the adequacy of God is greater than the inadequacy of him. The Midianites are bullying them. The Midianites are, are, are coming in, and as soon as they, they harvest the crops, they're coming in, and they're like beating them up and taking their lunch pails. Uh, they keep coming in and saying, hey, hey, you guys work. We're going to steal all your stuff. You guys keep working real hard, and we're just going to take what, you have, what you've done. And they're, they're being bullied. And this is why Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. The Bible says he's literally hiding. He's hiding from the bullies. And an angel of the Lord shows up and says to a guy who feels absolutely inadequate in every area of his life he looks at him and says hey mighty man of valor aren't you glad God sees you for what he knows he can do in you check check one two mic check mic check one two one two 
Aren't you glad God calls you and identifies you by what He can do in you? He doesn't identify you by your fear. He doesn't identify you by your inadequacy. He didn't walk up and say, hey, shaky. He walks up and says, you mighty man, as if to say, God is working. And when he gets finished with you, he'll even surprise what you thought. Hey, mighty man. Eli, he'll get mad at me if he hears me say this, so I'll have to tone it down just a little bit. Eli had a nickname that his neighbors gave him, and it was Ellie, I guess just because it was easier to say or something. Hey, Ellie. Hey, Ellie. And so that's just kind of, it was a running thing. Well, it got caught on, and every once in a while I'd say it. I said, hey, Ellie, come here, like that. And finally one day I asked him, I said, I said Eli, do you like it when I call you Ellie? He goes, it's the only nickname I have. I guess it's okay. I said, all right, that's fine. You know, I didn't use it. I, from that point on, I really didn't use it too much. You know, I could tell it maybe bothered him a little bit. Until we went to the FCA banquet. And when we went to the FCA banquet, he got an opportunity to meet Daryl Strawberry and get his little um, card, his baseball card, autographed. And when he gave it back to him, when he gave his card and autographed it, gave it back to Eli. He said, here you go, little man. Eli. Put that, looked at that, looked at him. He's, he came over, to, he came straight to me. He said, Dad, look. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. I said, that was real nice of him or whatever. He goes, and Dad, I have a new nickname. I said, oh, really? I said, what? He said, it's not Ellie anymore. I said, oh, really? what? I said, what is it? But he said, now nah, I'm little man. <laughs> when somebody greater in his eyes looks at him and calls him something greater. Some of y'all will get that later. Some of you will wait till you're eating fried chicken and it'll go like, ching. Hey, mighty man. Hey, mighty man. Hey, mighty daughter. Hey, it's going to be okay. Now, you don't understand. I'm being bullied. Trust me. I'm working. I'm working. And to help you get all of this, I'm giving you peace. 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 Oh, he could give you all kinds of stuff, but right now I'm going to give you what you really need. Peace. Isn't it interesting to take courage? You've got to first have peace. Now, we're not talking about, you know, everybody holding hands and singing Kumbaya. You've got to have peace inside of you. You have to be settled right here. You have to be settled on the inside of you that greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. Throughout his administration, Abraham Lincoln was a president always seemingly under fire, especially during the scary years of the Civil War. And though he knew he would make errors in the office, while he was in the office, he resolved never to compromise his integrity. So strong was his resolve that he once said, I desire so to conduct the affairs of my administration that if at the end when I come to lay down the reins of power, I have lost every other friend on earth, I shall at least have one friend left. And that friend shall be deep down inside of me peace there's a reason why the first time he teaches Peter that I can speak peace to the storm and let it be still the second time Peter I can reach you and peace can reach you and the storm can still be raging you know sometimes it takes more faith to walk through a storm than it does just to say, God, get me out of it. 
There are some storms you can't get out of. There are some things you, you can wish all you want to, you can pray all you want to, but God Himself has allowed you to walk through. And He's not done so to be mean to you. He's done to teach you that He is your peace no matter what. No matter what. Had a conversation with a lady whose husband, perfectly healthy, 62 years old, perfectly healthy, was a mechanic, was literally six months from retiring. All of a sudden he began to develop these headaches, but it was about the time of year like this where you know, allergies and all kinds of stuff was going on. So he, like most men in here, just shake it off, right? I'm going to no stinking doctor. Right? It's going to be all right. He shook it off, he shook it off, he shook it off, he shook it off, and finally the headache would not go away. I mean for days. Headache would not go away, so he went into the doctor. The doctor says, by the way, it's stage four brain cancer. There's a tumor in your brain that's pushing on you and your skull in such a way you don't have maybe two weeks left to live. Their last name was Angel. They were founding members of a church. She played the piano and sang, led the, the hymnals and the, the songs. He was a deacon working in the church. Just, just got, they had just celebrated getting all their kids, three kids, getting the third one out of the house and off to college. In six months, he's going to retire and they're going to travel and they're going to have some fun. They're going to work for the Lord. All this, all this, all these plans and everything. And then next thing you know, boom, this hit. And it rocked their whole world. People who had had faith their whole life. People who had served God their whole life. People who had prayed and praised and worshipped their whole life. Almost raised in church. Did everything God wanted them to do. That they could think of. That they knew of. And now all of a sudden. Bam. This. And it shook them to the core. But just about the time they were, they were kind of becoming okay with it. What shook them the hardest was a religious person that came knocking on their door, had heard about it, it was from a small community, and this religious person had heard about the situation, and they'd come knocking on the door, and they walked in the living room, and they pointed their finger in their faces and said, if you would have had more faith, this wouldn't have happened. It shook them to the core. I, in God's timing got to walk in about 10 or 15 minutes after that meeting. It was, my job was to go visit him as a chaplain. And as I knocked on the door, and I could tell they were trying to get things settled. And it just took a little longer. And I thought, man, maybe I'm bothering them. Maybe I just need to come back a different time. And I just began to take a step back and go back to the truck. And next thing I know, the door comes open and she's, wiping tears out of her face and I'm thinking oh no how do I handle this and I just a quick breath prayer said God you got to help me with this so I walk in and as I walk in um, he's almost to the point where he can't really verbally talk with me he can't do anything verbal any communication at all it's just a little bit of a hand movement and drawing on a little whiteboard he writes on the whiteboard he says sad and I look at him and I say, oh, something's going on. And she began to talk about what had just happened. And that's when God led me to take her to the, the place in Scripture where sometimes, Peter, it takes more faith to walk in the midst of a storm than it does just to get out of it. And so I looked at her and I said, you have more faith in you than that person who just pointed their finger. She got up, didn't say a word, got up, went over to her piano. She pulled the little, little cover back, turned her hymnal open, and she began to play, What a Friend I Have in Jesus. And we worshiped there, and a peace settled in that room. Just me, just her. Oh, I was singing. Peace can't happen when I sing. <laughs> and a peace came over that room. 
And he looked, the, the, the gentleman who was laying in his hospital bed in his room grabbed his whiteboard and he wrote, I'm okay. Peace brings courage. They had peace then to face what they needed to face. The second thing he's working with. He's working with his peace that he gives you. But the second thing he's working with is his resurrection power. Oh God, I wish we really understood. I wish we could really grasp this. I wish we could grasp this as much as it grasps, it should grasp us. Resurrection power. Romans 8, 9 through 11. I'm going to have to hurry up. I'm never going to get you all out of here. Romans 8, 9 through 11. The Bible says, But you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. But I've got news for you. If Christ is in you, then the flesh is dead. But because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Romans theologically is saying, by sin we're not adequate. Oh, but by His Holy Spirit we are. By flesh, we can't reach the promise. Oh, but by spirit, His promise can reach us. By sin, I do fall short. Everybody loves that passage of Scripture, right? Because it makes us all feel better. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. How many of you memorized that one, right? And you pull that out of your pocket when you realize we're all in a mess, right? Misery loves company. But how many of you have memorized the next verse? Next verse says, but we are justified freely through the work of Jesus Christ. God's working, and He's working with peace, and He's working with His resurrection power working in you. He is stirring the resurrection power up. He's stirring up something that says that it doesn't matter what flesh looks like, I'm greater. It doesn't matter what sin looks like. I'm greater. You know what? I had a thought the other day. I was talking with another youth pastor and we were talking about just the sin that's going on. Oh, somebody who's watched the news say amen. Right? The, the, just the sin that's there that's rampant. It seems like it's always in your face. You're, you're, you're fighting sin all the time in the world. It's all just going crazy. And, and we are focusing so hard on the sin that is abounding. We forget the scripture that says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. That means the sin that's out there is bad. But the grace that's there is greater. So I dare you to start looking for the greater grace. Next time sin is facing you, next time you look at your head and shake it at the world, I dare you to start looking at grace. I dare you to start believing in something greater. The resurrection power of, Roman, uh, of Jesus Christ, we read here in Romans, says He'll quicken your mortal body, which means that which is not adequate he'll give you what's adequate he'll move you he'll change you he'll work in you he'll do it I'm going to move on because running out of time third thing is is the shepherd the third thing he's working with in your life to teach you that you can put more courage in his adequacy than in your inadequacy is the fact that you have a shepherd now you have a shepherd that's with you. The Lord is my shepherd. I, I think I'll be okay. Right? The Lord is my shepherd. He's leading me through this. And by the way, He's leading me through some pretty sketchy stuff. 
Y'all ever been in a shadow? You ever been in a dark season of your life where you feel like it is quite possibly, you don't know if you're going to make it through? We call that the valley of the... But yet He's leading me, He's helping me, He's preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemy. He's doing all of these things, these wonderful things. And then we fast forward to John chapter 10. John chapter 10 verses 11 through 18. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling who who is not the shepherd... One who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care really about his sheep. But I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I'm known by my own as the Father knows me. Even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep and the other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and they will be one flock with one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, and that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down this life of myself. I have power to lay it down, and if I have power to lay it down, the command is going to come. In essence, he's saying... There's power to lay it down. There's power to get back up. You have the shepherd. When he's working with you, he's working with the shepherd. Here's what you need to know. Shepherd don't run because of the wolf. The the shepherd doesn't flee because of the wolf. Shepherd sticks around. Shepherd sticks it out. Shepherd hangs in there. Shepherd doesn't give up. I think some of you need to hear this. Jesus hadn't given up on you. Even when you gave up on yourself, even when you weren't real sure about it, Jesus is not giving up on you. Because He knows what He can do. He knows what He can do. Just because He saw the wolf come in, He didn't give up. He didn't say, well, I'm out of here. How many of you need to hear this? He's never going to give up on you. Ever. Now, I don't want to take that for granted, but He's never given up on you. The author says that's who He's working with when He's working with you to give you everything you need to do the will of God in your life. He's giving you the shepherd. We've got to move on. He gives you the blood. Right? We just read that he says, who through the blood is working in your life. If you go back to Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, he says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us, through the veil that is His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast, not give up to the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised is faithful. He goes on to say, and then let's, let's, let's work this out together and don't forsake the assembling of yourselves as some do at a time of, of scary situations. Because if, how many of you have ever been in a, in, a, in a mode of fear and you want to draw into yourself and get away from everybody else? And that's exactly what the lion does to the gazelle. He gets you away from the other group so that he can single you out and begin pumping junk into your head but that's why it also says we've been given a helmet of salvation in Ephesians that the blood of Christ covers your head and covers your mind and if it's covering your head it flows through the rest of your body he's given you the blood to work out whatever it is he's going to work out in your life the enemy has to come through the blood 
And that blood makes a way for you to approach Him boldly with full assurance of faith and hope that He is going to work it out. When He's working in your life, He's using the blood. The next thing, number five, is which might kind of blow you away. Because all this time I've been talking about all these things that God is working with from His part down. And now, if you turn to Hebrews 13 and 15, you're going to see something pretty cool that He uses. Hebrews 13 and 15. Therefore, by Him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. What else is He working with? Your praise. He's working with your praise. We have, uh, we have a little dog. Uh, we have Molly, big dog, who, who pulls people in their jazzy. And we have, we have Roxy, little dog. And... I call her a little fluff monkey because when she gets really excited, she sounds like a monkey. She's like, right? Um, There are other things I call her at other times, and I will not say those right here. But she's about 10 and a half pounds, maybe 11 pounds. Looks like a drowned rat every time we give her a bath. Ain't nothing there. You could take that, just one little foot, and go, foo, and cross the room, she goes. I know that from experience. But the biggest thing on her is her mouth. There are times when she wants to play, and, and she's not like a yappy dog, like when someone knocks on the door. Most of the time when someone knocks on the door, she, pew, she, she shoots off and goes under the bed, and she sends Big Dog in to go check it out. Literally. She'll send Big Dog in. Big Dog, go check it out, and it's all right. Big Dog, go back and tell her it's okay. She'll come out of the bed, and they both come. But when she wants to play, when she wants to get you involved in her life, the biggest thing about her is her mouth. And she will begin barking and barking and so loud that sometimes when I'm up at like 4 o'clock in the morning and she gets up and she wants to we go outside, we do her thing, and here I am trying to have you know, some, some time where everybody else is asleep. I'm get me and God here, and she'll come up to me and she'll go, Whoa! and then she won't shut up. And I'm thinking, you're going to wake up the whole house. I wish the biggest part of you was your praise. I wish the loudest thing in my life was praise. Not fear, not worry, not doubt, not anxiety. What would happen if the loudest part of you was praise? When you want to invite God down into your life, let the loudest part of you be praise and see what happens. Things will wake up, things will change. Let the loudest part of you be your praise. We got to move on. Number six, Hebrews 13, 16, just one verse over. He says, not only does God work in your praise, but verse 16 says, but don't forget to do good. I'm not saying you're saved by your good works, but he says, you want to know what else God works in? Your good works. He says, by the way, it's great to praise, and you do that. But with that, push somebody's jazzy halfway across the neighborhood. By, by the way, put that into action and, and just show your belief. It's all going to be okay by what you do to other people, by how you treat. Jesus said it this way, let your good works be done in front of men so that they may see that and then glorify God. He uses your good works 
That's part of it. That's part of the invitation that you get to be in when he's working things out. That's where you show you have courage. And if I can just begin doing what he's told me to do and put my action with my faith, then I know we're going to move in the right direction. Joshua, be strong and of good courage. And by the way, every place the sole of your foot stomps, I'm going to give you. Go put it to action. Go. Walk it out. Your good works. Last but not least. I love that last, I told you, when we all read it together. At the end of this little benediction, the author says, Amen. What's the seventh thing that he uses to work in your life? It's called an amen. It's a resolve. The word amen means so let it be done. What it means is, I'm resolved to trust God no matter what's going on. I'm resolved. My praise is out. My faith is in action. I believe He's at work. So now I stay resolved in that. Ephesians says it this way, having done all, stand. Be resolved. Stand in that. Stand on the fact that He's given you everything you need. Trust Him. Trust Him in that. Sometimes you just need to tell God, Amen. Why do y'all end your prayers with Amen. Because that's what I was told to do by tradition, right? <laughs> why do you end it? In, why do you say amen? What you're really saying is, God, here's, here's my plea. Now I trust you to do it. Well, then I, I back up and I say, well, why did you pray to him in the first place? Because you know. Deep down inside, you know he can change this you know he can help you you know he can work it out you know he can do things you can't do so now let that resolve stay and stay in your amen let's stand please From Psalm 120 through Psalm 134 are called the Songs of Ascent. On those three festivals a year that all the Jewish people would have to go into Jerusalem and do those feasts like Passover and, and Pentecost and those feasts like that. They would always go by singing the Songs of Ascent. Because they realized that they were going up in their worship. Quite literally, there was a temple mount, and they went up the road. And as they began walking up the road, they began singing these songs of ascent, these worship songs, because they knew in their mind, for them to have a meeting with God, they need to get up. And they can't get up unless they worship Him. Turn to your neighbor and say, get up. It's time for us to get up. It's time for us to get up. It's time for us as a church to get up. It's time for us as believers to get up. It's time for us to look how crazy the world is and make your worship rise. It's time. Now is not the time to be quiet. Now is not the time to sit down. Now is not the time to, to, to fuss about it. Now is not the time to be worried about it and anxious about it. Now is the time to worship. Now is the time to praise. Now is the time to trust that God is working things out. Now is the time. Will you join with me as we close in prayer on that? Father God, we thank you because I truly believe you have given us every single thing we need by your grace to do everything you've called us to do. You knew we would be living in a, in a, in a time that we're living in. In fact, I would dare say that you have called us aside to remember that for such a time as this,
you've placed us here. Father, I ask that a special faith-filled anointing cover every one of us. Now is not the time to give up. Now is not the time to look back. Now is the time to take courage. Praise you and trust you that you are working. Father, I ask that the loudest thing about us would be our praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.